right, all right, all right. What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Mitha. And this is Bitch Wife. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. Uh, let's let's get started with just some some things we're snacking on. We wanted to start each episode with a couple of little pieces of media that we're, we're kind of chewing on that are giving us food and fuel. And food and fuel and just making us happy nita what's your thing okay mine is mine is silly but it is giving me fuel um so for our listeners we are three weeks into the protests um against police brutality that are going on all around the country and the world uh, which is amazing um and a lot of media outlets and franchises are kind of like being forced to look at all the ways they've been racist um which is which is really interesting and like Okay, I grew up watching The Bachelor. I hate myself for that, but I did. Um, and uh, so Rachel Lindsay, the only black bachelorette that they've ever had in its like 40 seasons of running, um, has a podcast with Becca Kufrin, Kufrin uh, whose fiance posted some like kind of racist stuff on Instagram. Um, and she calls her out for it. And she's like, your fiance is part of the problem and I'm ashamed to be a part of the Bachelor franchise and if you guys don't change like if the whole franchise doesn't change I am pulling out and I'm not gonna be a part of anything ever again um and I just think that that's really fascinating so I've been re-watching her season and I might make a like medium article uh writing thing about it I might write a bunch of articles recapping each episode from the perspective of like now the world we're living in now versus 20. 16 when her season came out so that's that's what i'm snacking on okay i know go off i guess sexy it's very crazy um mine's like kind of not as cool well i think it's as cool i've been watching a lot of video essays recently and i really liked Lindsay ellis's episode on the protest music of the bush administration hell yes um it's really dope it it goes through like kind of like how we've gotten to this moment in like protest but also like in music and it's really delightful and interesting and everything that Lindsay Ellis has ever made is really delightful and interesting just like listen to her wa- listen to her watch her episodes they're excellent i pre-ordered her book i need to do that i need to read yeah. her book i'm not a good lindsay ellis fan no it literally is coming out in like july so you're fine we're good it's We're, great. You're you're a great Lindsay Ellis fan. Um, she's yes. awesome, and you should go watch her video essays. Um, yeah, specifically the Bush music. So, um, before we get into it, I just wanted to give you a little roadmap of like what our episodes going to look like, what kind of the format we've decided on for our episodes oncoming. Um, but we're go- our episodes are going to be made up of four parts. The first part is Bitch What, which is an introduction to what we're talking about. Bitch How, which is going to be a technical rundown of how things succeed and fail as like a piece of art. Then we have Bitch Time, which is three minutes of our unintelligent, unfiltered, uncritical feelings. And finally... Bitch, why a sum up of the implications and what all of this means, why it matters, um, how we think it's going to affect the world, how it is affecting the world, um, and also why did they make it? I'm really, really excited for this series. Yes, Gaia, would you mind telling our listener audience what our series is on? Um, we're playing the car crash of J.K. Rowling's career backwards. <laughs> um. We're oh we're going to start by covering 
her recent essay that she just released on Twitter and her Fantastic Beasts franchise um, in this episode. And then in our next episode, we're going to talk about Cursed Child, Pottermore, fan work. It's going to be delightful. And then in our last episode, we get to talk about the Harry Potter books and we get to yeah. reread them. I'm so We just happy get to like, cry. after discussing all of the, all of the sad, awful car crash stuff, then we get to go back and just like live in the, in the love we have for Harry Potter. Let's get into it. Oh my God. Okay. So this is bitch what? We're going to start, okay, so I will start by recapping our things. So we're going to start with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the first one. Okay, the 2016 film, directed by David Yates and written by J.K. Rowling. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and the subsequent film, Crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald. Are we doing doing Grindelwald (laughs) or Grindelwald? Grindelwald, with a V, yes. Grindelwald. Great. Uh, it revolves around the wizard zoologist Newt Scamander, who is traveling to America to bring back a creature to its rightful home because he's a good magical animal conservationist. Um, and he accidentally frees all of his creatures that are in his suitcase in the city. And they, and while they're trying to find them, he stumbles across a conspiracy to harness a creature called an obscurial. An obscurial is a if if a wizard, if a child wizard suppresses their magic for long enough, it will turn into a, a angry monster creature. Um, I wonder what suppression is a metaphor for. There's um, no way to know. I have no clue. Um, amongst all of this, there's also a anti-wizard uh, group started by muggles or nomadges, as American wizards call them. I don't <laughs> like the term nomad. It's stupid. Um. But basically, they don't even know if wizards exist or not. So it's like if the Westboro Baptist Church uh, existed, but they didn't know gay people were real or not. Like, if it, like gay people were a myth, <laughs> like the Westboro Baptist Church for, for that. Um, the KKK, but black people are a myth. Are maybe a not real. <laughs> like, um, so then there's this adopted son of the woman, Credence Barebone, which is like a dope name. Um, he's the adopted son of the wizard hater lady, and then he ends up using the obscurial because, oh, surprise, he's a secret wizard, and he harnesses it, and then Newt attempts to de-escalate the situation, but the wizard cops, aka the Aurors, kill him, and at the end, we are bamboozled to find that, like, the man pulling the strings, who's already, like, a pretty bad dude, uh, named Graves, he ends up being an even bigger, badder wizard, Grindelwald. Oh, big surprise, and it's Johnny Depp. What a waste of Colin Farrell. And that's on period. And that's on period. The sad thing is that that's the coherent movie because I'm about to describe (laughs) the crimes of Grindelwald in as succinct a way. Look, if you really want to know what happened in the crimes of Grindelwald, don't watch the movie. Go to the wiki and read read the Wikipedia plot. If you want to know what happens. Um, But (laughs) Crimes of Grindelwald kicks off Right from where um, Fantastic Beats ends, like, like three months later or something. Yeah. And months. Newt is dragged into a British wizard government Ministry of Magic plot to defeat Grindelwald. He initially refuses. 
But Dumbledore, who's young because it's the 20s, um, convinces him to give it a shot. He encounters Queenie and Jacob, who were side characters in the first movie, um, a witch and a muggle who wanted to get married, um, who are trying to get married in Britain because it's illegal to marry muggles in Wizard America. But it comes to light that Queenie has given Jacob some sort of spell like i think it's a love potion like something bizarre he's like drugged um into agreeing zonked out yeah he's zonked into agreeing (laughs) to marry her and they get into a fight and break off but not because he she drugged him because he doesn't want to get married um no he just he doesn't want to get married because he doesn't want to jeopardize her in the wizard world yeah not because she drugged him not because Um, she yeah so Queenie goes and leaves to find Tina, her sister, and Jacob and Newt set off after both of them, as Tina is also looking for Grindelwald in Wizard Paris. She meets up with some guy named Yusuf and teams up slash gets kidnapped by him. Um, meanwhile, Credence, the Obscurial from the first movie, has joined Who the circus. thought died, but they retconned, retconned his death. Um, and... He's with the only Asian woman in this movie, um, Nagini, Voldemort's pet snake. They managed to escape the circus in order to find Credence's bio family. And okay, so- wait, 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 hold on, hold on. The pet snake thing, she's under a curse that we- after a significant amount of time, she will only be able to be a snake. Like, she, the curse will turn her into a snake and she will be a snake permanently. But for right now, she can change back and forth. And it's yeah. never explained. It's very confusing. Yes. Um, then Newt and Jacob find Tina and Yusuf, who Yusuf is looking for Credence because he believes that Credence is his half-brother that he made an unbreakable vow to kill. And then Grindelwald tries to get Queenie to join the dark side. Newt and Tina break into the Ministry of Magic to verify Credence's identity. At some point, they meet Nicola Flamel from the very first Harry Potter book. And then... Leda Lestrange, Newt's ex-girlfriend slash ex-beard, um, and brother's fiance intercepts them, and through a series of monologues, we first find out that Credence is Leda's brother and that Yusuf is also her half-brother, but then immediately afterwards, it's revealed that while on a sinking boat, Leda swapped her brother for some random baby who is Credence. So Credence is actually just some random guy. They all end up going to a Grindelwald rally where he gives a big old speech and everyone leaves except for the main people queenie joins forces with grindelwald later dies newt decides to join the wizard cops against grindelwald there's a weird scene on a bridge where we learn that dumbledore couldn't fight grindelwald because of a homoerotic home homoerotic blood oath they made in gay their blood youth. oath gay blood oath gay blood oath gay blood oath also credence is dumbledore's long lost brother roll credits anyway <laughs> okay the last scene they get Newt and Dumbledore like are meeting on a bridge and then everyone else is like on the other end of the bridge and and then Dumbledore just invites him for tea and then they go and get tea and they leave everyone on the bridge <laughs> and everyone just stands there on the bridge they it's just really stand bizarre there. um <sighs> anyway that we're going to talk so much more about the things that we like and dislike about those movies but that's the rundown the last thing we're going to talk about today is JK Rowling's essay um, so on June 10th, 2020, J.K. Rowling tweeted the link to an essay she'd written on her website with the caption, Turf Wars. But before I get into what that was, I just want to go into a little background on J.K.R.'s online history with trans folks. I pieced together a timeline of J.K.R.'s history with accusations of transphobia from a Vox article, which we're going to link. Um, 
Also, Nita and I are each allowed to call J.K. Rowling Joanne once One in time. this episode. Once per episode. And that's all. Oh, did but, we mention um, that we're both queer and I'm South Asian? Did and we I'm not say trans? That? Yeah, um, we should probably... We have, this like, is why we're talking about this stuff. We have cool. sticks in this game. We have. We do. What's it called? What's the phrase? We, we have. We have skin. We have skin in the game. We have skin in the game. We have skin in the game. Um. So, <laughs> transphobia has been linked to her 2015 novel The Silkworm and her 2017 novel Career of Evil, but I haven't read those, and we're not going to talk about them. But just like worth mentioning. Um. Truly, the discourse on JKR and trans activists began when, on March 21st, 2018, J.K. Rowling liked a tweet that said, I was shouted at by men at my first Labor Party meeting at age 18 because I asked them to remove a page three calendar. I'd, I've been told to toughen up, be louder, stronger, independent. I've often not felt supported. Men in dresses get brochalist solidarity I never had. That's misogyny. Which her publicist attributed to a mistake, saying, quote, I'm afraid J.K. Rowling had a clumsy and middle-aged moment, and this is not the first time she is favorited by holding her phone incorrectly, end quote. Following that, people started going through her Twitter follows and found that she follows a number of outspoken anti-trans activists, most notably because J.K. Rowling talks about this in her essay that we're going to go over, Magdalene Burns, a self-proclaimed uh, trans-exclusive radical feminist who famously described trans women as blackface actors and men who get sexual kicks from being treated like women. All of this came to a head on December 19th, 2019, when she herself tweeted, quote, dress however you please, call yourself whatever you like, sleep with any consenting adult who will have you, live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real. I stand with Maya Hashtag I stand with Maya. Hashtag this is not a drill. End quote. In the defense of Maya Forstater, who recently lost her employment tribunal case surrounding her lack of contract renewal following online and targeted transphobic comments towards a coworker. We'll get to it. Um, which brings us to the essay. So this was this isn't even like the thing. Um, the essay is a thirty six hundred word paper detailing her relationship with the quote gender critical movement. It's a detailed response to the accusations of transphobia that she's been receiving and a defense of her beliefs, statements, and actions surrounding trans activists. She starts by detailing her own various cancellations and personal understanding of what trans activists do and what they are before moving to a five-part description of why specifically she wants to address her gender-critical beliefs publicly. By the way, the word gender-critical is... I'm going to be using that because J.K. Rowling refers to the word turf as, like, a hurtful term, which I disagree with, but I want to meet her on her own her own ground. Um, the five parts of her essay are she has financial charitable interests in women's organizations and MS research. She is a former teacher. She has an interest in freedom of speech. She's concerned about an apparent rise in young assigned female at birth people transitioning. She's concerned... And number five... She's concerned as a domestic abuse survivor about the potential for trans women to be abusive in restrooms specifically. So that's that's what her essay is. That's the rundown on J.K. Rowling and trans people. <laughs> Ooh, that was great, Gaia. That that was awesome. That I whole mean, rundown. It was like she it's really like convoluted and like sad I mean, I don't know. I we'll talk about this more later, but like overarchingly while going through it, it just made me really sad. Um, yeah. But it's time to move into bitch how. 
segment where we'll talk about how how these these little pieces of art succeed and fail like on their artistic merits. Nita and I are both art students, and so we want we wanted to kind of use our expertise as art students. We we've been given the tools to kind of deconstruct why something is successful and I think or how it is successful. Um, and, and we're hoping to kind of apply that to everything we talk about on this podcast. One of the things that was like really important to us when we first started talking about this is like, we think a lot of critics don't do a good job of like giving things their like fair, their due diligence in terms of like their technical success. So we're going to talk about both our feelings and the technical success. We're going to talk about Fantastic Beasts first and how we think it succeeds and fails. Um, my okay i just want to like fangirl about eddie redmayne for just like a quick second i think that he like does such a good job as newt scamander i think he's the only thing like like holding this series together um and like all of the reviews for him specifically said that they thought he was like boring and not engaging and that he is a character that's like supposed to be maybe more regulated to like sidekick status which is like i smell toxic masculinity like he's literally just being a hufflepuff like i love having a hufflepuff as a lead i'm not a hufflepuff but all of a lot of my friends are and i like that that like they show that someone sensitive and soft and sweet can still carry a series or a franchise i literally like in my notes one of the things i wrote is that i am straight for eddie redmayne I know. He's soft and gentle, but, like, also just, like, technically, Eddie Redmayne, like, he knows how to incorporate, like, a physical life into his characters, like, how to, like, adjust his stance and the way he walks and the way he moves. One of the things that I really, like, latched onto while watching these movies was, like, he holds his wand in really interesting ways. Like, Mm -hmm. he'll put it between his teeth the way you do with a pen, or, like, he'll, like, he'll mess around with it and fiddle with it, because he's just so good. He knows well, how yeah, to act. He also, like, understands that, like, in terms of physical life, you have this thing that's, like, an extension of yourself. Of course, you're going to, like, have a specific uh, relationship to it. So I really like that he has investigated that. And he also has a very specific walk. And he it just embodies this character fully. And I really appreciate it. I think that's I also... also... Like... Oh, no. You go. Well, I was going to say, like, like, in terms of, like, his physical life, since we're on it, like... He's so fearless, like the erumpent scene in in Fantastic Beasts where he's doing like the mating dance. Oh, I love that scene. Well, you just get this dance. He just doesn't give a fuck if he looks hot or if he like looks dumb. He's just doing the mating dance because he is a magic zookeeper. Well, and he loves he loves his animals. He's like his morals never waver. Like he is such a good character. And his representation of, of like, how his social anxieties manifest and, like, he doesn't really like talking to other people. But when it comes to his animals, like, that's his safe, sp- like, that's his safe place. And I, I love that. And his inability to connect with humans isn't, like, he, he's not abusive or aggressive because he can't connect with people. Like, no one suffers because he can't do that. Like, it's all just an internal struggle for him. And at the end of the film... He does end up making friends and like that's his arc. And I love that that's his arc and he is so sweet. I feel like we're so used to seeing such aggressive masculine leads like Marvel, you know, like everything. Yeah, everything is so masculine, so aggressive, so like upsetting in that way. And I think that he changes the narrative of what a male lead can be. And I really like that. No, I agree. 
Um, and we'll definitely talk more about masculinity in the Fantastic Beasts franchise later oh, on. Yes. Um, the next, like, technical thing. This is stupid. Oh, this is stupid, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm going to talk about it. The New York accents are so bad. They are bad. They're, They're so terrible. bad. They're inconsistent. Tina and Queenie, the two sisters, they they have different accents, even though they're sisters, like like distinctly different accents. Yes. Um, I also think like with the sisters, is this, can I talk about this here in Bitch How with the sisters? What about the sisters? I feel like it fails in, in, sorry. I feel like I think that this, fa- like, the characterization of the women fails J.K. Rowling's gripes with femininity and misogyny because both of the female characters are, like, playing into two tropes, like, the snippety, uptight woman and then the sexual, uh, seductress woman. And and they kind of don't leave those, those uh, bubbles until, like, maybe the end of the film and then in the second one they just are out the window. But, like, in terms of how J.K. Rowling wants women to be represented as um, seen by her tweets, she does not do that in her storytelling. T. Yeah. Anyway, uh, please talk anyway. about the bad accents. That's all I have to they're say just bad. is that they're bad. <laughs> I hate it when there are bad accents in movies that can afford to get the training needed to do a good accent. Because I don't think, people think a lot about acting as like something that's like innate. Voice work more than anything else. Like you can learn how to do an accent well by working at it and learning it. I think accent work is one of the most academic pursuits Mm -hmm. in terms of like acting training. And so I hate it when a movie that has like a billion dollars to make a movie can't get a decent vocal coach. Right. And also, like, there are barriers to entry in the in the acting world, in the theater world. But when the movie itself has the budget in order to do it, I think that they should do it for their actors. I don't think that, like, we're expecting every single person who wants to be an actor to, like, seek out that training themselves because it's it's hard. And, like, theater school's stupid expensive. But this movie has no right to to make a faux pas in that way because they have so much money. It's just stupid. I mean, like, it's just dumb. Like, it's, like, a dumb thing to complain about, but it's, like, I think it represents one of our larger larger criticisms of this that we'll definitely talk a lot more about later, which is that this movie doesn't really care about being American. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is, like, a way in which it fails. Yeah. Um, Talk about the score. Um, Okay, I just feel like the score is trying to be the Harry Potter movie score. I mean, even at the beginning of the film, you hear that, like, very specific Harry Potter theme. Yeah, and it's like, don't play off of my nostalgia. Like, be something different. And I actually kind of like the first um, Fantastic Beast theme. I think that's really good, and it feels, like, Harry Potter adjacent. But then the rest of it isn't doing anything interesting or new. And I think that, like, and we'll talk about this more, but I feel like they, with with that not understanding, like, the like, the innate understanding of being American, they don't lean into, like, what 1920s America would have sounded like, and I think that's why it fails a little bit, or how it fails, um, but yeah, I think that they definitely could have, it's just a lean-in thing, like, lean into the sound and figure out what this sounds like versus what Harry Potter sounds like, because by playing that Harry Potter theme at the beginning, like, you're telling me this is Harry Potter, and it's not. It's the wizarding world that he lives in, but it's not his story anymore. 
I think that's what ends up being one of the primary problems with Crimes of Grindelwald because they try and make it like a Harry Potter adventure story, but like Newt isn't Harry Potter, and so like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, I although like like I we're talking a lot about we're like this movie fails, but like I there I don't know we're about to talk about a couple of things that I think are sexy about it. Yeah. Um, which I liked that they brought um what's his name Jacob oh, Kowalski. Kowalski. Yeah. Kowalski. Kowalski. What a lovely little dude. Um, I liked that he was in there, and it was cute to have a little muggle to bounce all the magic off of. It, it like, reminded you of the fact that the magic is magic. Um, yeah. Probably because we're so desensitized to seeing crazy, cool special effects, it's nice to see the wonder again, because there's no way you're going to recreate the wonder of the first Harry Potter movie. So you have this person. And he's also sometimes, like, the voice of reason. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, he's definitely, like, we talked we talked big about how Newt carries the franchise, and not so much in the second movie. Nobody carries the franchise Mm-mm. in the second movie. No. But Kowalski is also, like, a delightful guy to just go around with. I think he's also, like, in a different way, in a subtler way, like, an interesting masculine figure. Um, oh, yeah. Agreed. He's, he, he wants to bake pastries, and, like, that's his dream. And he drinks his respect women juice, clearly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he and Newt are more respectful than Queenie sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's issues of consent with the fact that she can read minds and people ask her politely like Newt asks her politely, please don't read my mind. And she just continues to do it and give him unsolicited love advice. And uh, no one ever talks about how that could be invasive. And he didn't give consent. He actually withdrew consent and she still did it. Um, do you ever like... I have this anxiety a lot. I'll be sitting in like a crowded place and I'll be like, is someone reading my mind right now? I hope this no is, like, one's my reading constant... my mind. That's my constant fear. It's not like there's anything bad going on up there. But then like, I feel like when I think about someone reading my mind, I'm like, what's the worst thought I could be thinking right now to make someone reading my mind think that I'm like a bad person? And then I think that thought and then I'm like, oh no, they're reading my mind. And they're going to come after me now because they think I'm a bad person. Yeah. Anyway. That's stressful. That's um, my anxiety. <laughs> the costumes are great. Just from a design perspective, they're, so they're beautiful and brightly colored. I think the other, the, the original Harry Potter series gets really dark. So then you kind of lose all of that bright color um, that's in the first few movies. And also they're often just set at nighttime. Um, But this one's bright in the middle of the day. They're lovely and it won an Oscar for the costume. So one of my favorite costumes is uh, Percival Graves. 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 His his costume is so like interestingly shaped. I just Mm -hmm. like they they have cool shapes and I think that that's valid of them. My least, this isn't my least favorite thing about the movie, but it's just, like, I don't know. It makes me, like, angry in a way that's, like, not rational. But the way they use magic in this movie is so boring. Um, They just go, they just wave their little wands, and then, like, some random, like, light, like, a little swirly light comes out, and it hits the other wizard. But it doesn't do anything weird. It just, like, hits them, and they're like, ugh. Um... (laughs) <laughs> they're like it's disarmed stupid. yeah well because like, she's set dumb. up jk rowling has set up all of these very specific spells that do specific things and often like 
Sometimes they don't even use wands in this movie, but even Voldemort and Dumbledore needed to use wands. Like, your mm -hmm. wand is the most important thing, and sometimes they're not even using it, and so then it just, like, takes you out of it for a little bit, and you're like, wait, what was all of that world building for if they can just, like, shoot... Their wizard gun. Their w it's just... And everyone's got just a wizard gun now. Everyone's always got a wizard gun. It's like if you had... We talked about this. It's like if you had an app on your phone, that was just, like, your hitting people app, and you yeah. could just, like, point it at someone and, then, and they would get hit there's also like random moments where they do use spells but you, it's like so clearly like pandering to the nostalgia of hearing people go like Akio or like alohomora yeah or because because we all want to hear someone say alohomora we want that because we love harry potter exactly but the, it's like what? jk rowling has made a whole spell book and i'm like just use those like the great thing about magic and the bad thing about magic the great thing about magic is that you can do anything. And then the bad thing about magic is that then people just choose to just do shit. And you could, like, a creative mind could be like, there's spells. We could do so much shit with spells. Like, this is a spell that turns your feet into a toast, a piece of toast. <laughs> and now you can't walk anymore. And that's how and you like, disarm the person is because now their feet are, no. their feet is toast. Exactly. Feet and toast. so why don't why feet toast? Feet, feet toast. toast. Feet toast. <laughs> um follow me on Foot Finder. Oh no. God. No. Ignore please, that. Please do not. Um, um yeah. Foot toast. Foot I feel toast. like also and we've we've got this on the outline but like the main plot and then the plot of the entire series don't gel like the movie is taking you on a journey with newt to just through with animal hijinks you're like gonna gotta catch them all like it's just pokemon like, they're, like he's it's just pokemon he's just saving all of the pokemon the wizard pokemon and that's and that is it and but then he like falls into this government wizard government conspiracy and now the rest of the movies are gonna have to force newt who's just a magic wizard zoologist to like defeat wizard hitler now like he he doesn't have to be in these stories i would rather honestly just watch him like play with his little wizard animal creatures the thing that like makes me want to watch the movie is these really cool creative monsters that like look like that some concept artist like designed in their like basement at four in the morning while on like lsd they're like so cool and cute and yeah. funny and they have such creative fights and like that's what's exciting about this movie. And so it's so sad that the overarching plot has literally nothing to do with that. Yeah. Because you have to have Wizard Hitler in every single J.K. Rowling series. If you don't have a Wizard Hitler, then what's what is the even point? the point? Yeah. I love the, the lion that looks like it came out of Stranger Things. Um, and I also love the rhino with the balls on its head. I like the little sloth guy. I also love invisible. little sloth. The, one of the most, the coolest sequence in that movie is when the, the dragon thingy that has a name. Harry Potter fans, help us out. What is um, the dragon named? The, it, it is huge because it fills the <gasps> space that yes, it's in. Yes, yes. And then they put it into a teapot and that's how they defeat it. I know. And, and I think it also combats the boring spell problem because if you need to, like, save the creature, then you can't just hit it with your wizard gun. You have to, like, find a way to, like, get it without it getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And so there was just so many cool creative thingies that were 
happening. Yeah, I mean, I think it harkens back to, like, old Harry Potter. Harry Potter is at its heart not a fantasy novel but a mystery novel so so solving these things and finding creative ways to fix problems is such a harry potter thing that like having them defeat that creature with a teapot like makes the most sense in harry potter world you know and i think that segues neatly into there are so many missed opportunities in this first movie in terms of we were talking earlier about how this movie doesn't like realize that it's American, <laughs> but like just like like go through some of the shit that they missed out on. Okay, well I think that like they're in the middle of the Harlem Renaissance. They're in the suffragette movement just happened. Um, we're about to hit the Great Depression, like and prohibition is happening too. You see kind of like a weird moment of um maybe prohibition era speakeasies with the goblins in their bar. I want to know what like wizard life is like in 1920s America. I want to know. I mean, I was I think I count two black people in this whole movie. Um but they're in, Harlem, in New York. In New York in Harlem in the 1920s. What is it like to be a wizard and then deal with this anti-wizard hate and then also with like just homegrown american racism like what like what is that like um i feel like they could have used a jazz composer to to capture this feel of 1920s america i think like leaning into the time period would have made it feel so good i think kowalski has his own little theme and that feels a little specific to him and to his the fact that he is american but that they're like missing out on so much interesting stuff that they could have done it also makes me wonder, like, why wizards are afraid of muggles be- or no, no badges. Um, because they talk about the Salem witch trials and how, like, it actually didn't affect the witches and wizards and the fire didn't hurt them. They actually didn't even help the muggles who were being falsely accused, which makes me think about, like, why they aren't intervening if they think humans are so, if they think muggles are so bad. Um, it, beyond this, I just think that there are so many ways in which we could figure out how they they have in, impacted or not impacted or chosen not to impact the the human world. We're steeped so much in American culture in this movie that or we're steeped so much in American culture anyway. And I think that like this movie not knowing, I mean, Harry Potter Harry Potter succeeds because of the innate understanding of British culture and British pop culture and like what that world feels and looks like. This movie does not give the same recognition to American culture that the original series did. And I think that is how it fails. I mean, it also goes into um, what we're going to talk about a lot about J.K. Rowling not really knowing what she's getting into. Like J.K. Rowling doesn't know how to explore American wizard culture in a way that's interesting, that's American. Like, and, like, I don't know. Like, I don't love America. Like, does anyone? <laughs> but it's like J.K. Rowling has the, like, wasp America. She chose the, like, absolute worst, most boring, uninteresting America to explore. And just... it. There's, there's so much happening. Even, like, things you didn't mention early. Like, the pansy craze is going on right now, so there's a lot of queer art. You're and, correct. Yeah. And the like beginnings of drag are being founded, like the beginnings of film. Oh my god. Wizards and what film. What is it like then if they started like they've created film and they're able to capture like a wizard on 
film like what does that do i mean i think if they obliviate them it goes away but like oh we'll talk about obliviate but like dealing with that and like dealing with how they were affected by the first world war i mean it seems like in grind in crimson grindelwald um it seems like (laughs) crimson grindelwald it feels like they very much don't want a world war ii to happen just as much as muggles don't want a world war ii to happen so i want to know like how they were affected by that it seems like they take a separatist approach but like how did after world war ii like how did the japanese wizarding community like you know work with the american wizarding community like how how are wizard relationships affected by the things that their human counterparts do i just want to know and and I think this movie leads me down that rabbit hole because it is so inefficient at steeping us in American culture. I also think, like, um, Harry Potter, the OG series, takes a place at, like, a castle in Scotland. And so you don't really think about what's going on in the world. But this takes place in a city. It takes place in New York City. Yeah, exactly. The, like, like, so you can't just, like, not think about what's going on in New York City. Like, in... In Harry Potter, you can kind of give them some, like, credit for, like, not really knowing what's going on in the world because they're living, they're, like, in the Scottish countryside. Like, nobody knows what's going on. Um, But this movie doesn't because it's right in the heart of things. Well, that also makes it timeless, right? So, like, Harry Potter as a series is timeless. This one is forcing us to be set in a specific time and therefore falls into all of the traps of, like, what happens when you're in a specific time period. And that's on period. <laughs> that's on time period. Um, and that's on time period. Okay. Here are our reasons for how it succeeds and fails in crime, Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, Johnny Depp is a bad actor. Sorry. Maybe we'll get canceled for this, but he's not a great actor. And I think the movie does not uh, do as well as it could have been because of him. We'll talk about our hot Grindelwald take. I'm gonna like I'm gonna like foreshadow our hot Grindelwald take. We have like a very <sighs> steamy Grindelwald take uh later on. Um and Johnny Depp is one of the reasons that our take is so steamy. Because he, he plays wizard Hitler to the like nth degree. He has his little dragon Antonio and he says i he says something to antonio and then he throws him out the window and the I, the only reason i can think as to why he did that is because he's like i'm evil like look at me i'm evil and he like throws that little baby creature out the window i feel like johnny depp's like the kind of guy who's like the only character research he does like it <laughs> is like oh is this a good guy or a bad guy and the director's like, why would I tell you that? Like, that seems like such a simplistic question. And he's like, no, I need you to tell me that. And then the director's like, um, bad guy? And Johnny Depp's like, got it. And then he shows up to the first day of shooting. He's hungover. And he just does <laughs> bad guy the whole day. He's like, I have two modes. I have Tim Burton. And I have uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And so this was Tim Burton. This was definitely Tim Burton. So he's like, I've got two, I've got two modes, and you just tell me which one I'll do, and then you give me an earpiece, and I'll go. And he went, Newt's relationship to the main plot is that- He has no relationship to the main plot. It's really confusing. Like, from the very beginning of the movie, Newt comes in to do something, and we're like, immediately like, why is he involved in this at all? Like, the only relationship he has to the wizard cops 
the Aurors, the, the wizard, wizard cops. The wizard cops. Is that his brother's a wizard cop. All cab. All wizard cops. All, <laughs> all, all cab. cab. <laughs> <laughs> um, he just wants to renew. He just wants to make it so that he can travel outside um, Europe again. Because he gets his traveling. He gets his. He is not allowed to travel. But then they're like, no, you have to defeat Grindelwald. Yeah, and they're he's like, like, if you want to go outside the, it's outside the Europe, you got to be a wizard cop. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> why? I am not good. I am just a small boy. I cannot be a wizard cop. Awcab. Awcab. He said, Newt said awcab. Um, <laughs> he doesn't want to be there. I don't know why they think they need him. He doesn't even have any skills that are like applicable. No. To the job. He's just nice. Like, his whole character is that he's really gentle and kind to animals. Yeah, so why, why, why? Truly why? Why would you send him to find wizard Hitler? Do you want to talk about breath support? (laughs) I want to talk about breath support. Do you want to talk about breath support? I want to talk about it. (laughs) Okay. All right, film actors can come for me. I know that this isn't a problem in film acting. The kind of acting I know about is theater acting, but... My pet peeve in film is that all of the actors are whispering all the time and it pisses me off. So like someone will be like, hey, Credence, how's it going? And he'll be like, I need you to help me find my family. Like, did you hear that? Like, there's no, there is no full voice happening, full voice happening. Like, and sometimes they're like feet away from each other and they're like, what do you want? And he goes. I want to know who I am. <laughs> like, I can't hear you. It's raining. Like, what's going on? Like, why do they have to whisper? Do they, do they think whispering makes them intense? Because it just makes me want to be mean to them. I don't like That's it. That's all we have to say about that. That's um, all I have to say. Please, please, film actors, speak out loud. Please. With your voice. Please. I, please come back to us about this. Give film actors vocal training 2K. 20 yeah 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 <laughs> did you hear that glottal that uh. um right. yeah it's not great uh uh nagini's costume is bad do you want to yeah, explain really why you think it's bad it's ugly it's just ugly. i don't like it <laughs> that's this is like that's not a real opinion i don't know that's just, i just, just think, think it's, it's kind of ugly um the monologue okay so there's monologues what is it, three quarters of the way through the movie, explaining all of the Credence backstory. And you have one monologue where, what's his face? Yusuf is like, this is why I think he's the brother. And then and then he gets through all of it. We're like stuck with this like villain monologue. And then Lita Lestrange is like, no, I did it. I killed him. And that's not Credence. And then she does a monologue. And then she does a monologue. And then we go backstory again. And it's like, exhausting and the only reason i knew what the fuck was happening in this goddamn movie was because i had it up on my laptop and then i had the wikipedia plot on the other side reading as i'm going because there's no way to follow the plot there are six plots in this movie there are six i counted them there's six it's ridiculous i can't i can't follow this film and like how many characters there's like too many so many central characters i mean just like you heard our summary, like, five minutes ago. We watched this movie, and then, like, we were, like, taking notes while watching this movie and still don't know what's going on. I have no clue. Like, 
Whatever, whatever. Um, I like that in Crimes of Grindelwald, there's like there's like little bits of magic. Like I liked when the statue moved, and oh, I, love that. I think it makes the world seem rich and exciting. And that's that. I mean, if you're gonna venture outside of Hogwarts, like that's how you should do it. But there's not a lot of it. Yeah, and like more. they also like this movie had Wizard Paris, which also like wasn't super distinct from wizard britain yeah show me show me wizard paris it would have been so sexy what if I the eiffel tower that it was wizard what paris. if like something with the eiffel t- anyway yeah <laughs> that would be dope Just, i don't know um, the Arc de Triomphe. yeah <sighs> and then also with this movie it's called fantastic beasts colon cry Gr- crims of grindelwald and <laughs> it's not about the beasts anymore it's completely lost all of its roots in being about fantastic beasts and i feel like it's not it's not there's a wizarding world insignia at the beginning of the film like the logo and i saw that and i was like fuck does that mean they're gonna keep making movies under the wizarding world umbrella and it'll be like star wars stories like haunt like solo like is it gonna be like that where they just keep making more and i truly hope that's not the case but it might be i feel like they're just gonna I was going to say it'd be cool if they made one of the stories that I want them to make, but I, like, truly do not want J.K. Rowling to write the stories that no. I want her to That, like, of her stories that I would want to explore more. Um, she's not allowed to touch them anymore. Oh, speaking of Joanne, I've <gasps> used my one. I've used Your my Joanne one Joanne so. for the episode. Okay, speaking of her, would you like to talk about how we think her essay succeeds or fails wait no we have to talk about the lack of stakes oh uh, right real quick. just kidding um nobody has any stake in the problems at all there's no stakes at all nobody has it doesn't matter if they succeed or fail and that's all it doesn't matter now we can talk about all right joanne's essay. joanne oh <gasps> now we Fine. can't say it now we can't say no. her name anymore i have no. to say jk rolling um for the rest JK. of jk I wish she What's was. I wish she was J.K. about this essay. Um. Oh, but um, um, okay. I wrote down in our notes. It is well written, and we must come to terms. It is because yeah. J.K. Rowling is. She's a good writer, so it's unfortunate that like <laughs> she's written this essay well. The content is bad, but the writing is is well structured. One of the things that I noticed is there's a lot of one of her favorite comparisons <laughs> is she likes to compare trans activists to Big Brother. Yeah, she which references. Is like just yeah, and no, she references wrong, wrong think. think, um, because she liked a tweet. She said it's my accidental like crime, which is like a thought crime like in Big Brother. Crime. Um. There's like she talks about her books being burnt and that being like like and also. Just, like, generally, like, she she frames herself and a lot of, like, gender-critical um, folks as, like, these, like, shrinking violets in the face of, like, these horrible, horrible trans activists who are so mean and always dox people. Yeah. And that's not very nice. And she compared, I mean, she just... I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, we'll get into more of the mm-hmm. ways in which she really, like, lets trans activists down. Um, but, like, that's just... Like, she, she compares trans activists to Big Brother. Like, I, I can almost not even think of a less Big Brother group. Um, I guess, like, little babies. Babies. Babies are babies not. Babies are not Big Brother. <laughs> they are not they Big Brother. They think 
because they have no they're having their no thoughts thoughts head empty no all thoughts (laughs) all thoughts head full head full um (laughs) but no language so they just are babies i i mean i think she also she equates this argument it's the same with like racism and white privilege is white supremacists think by giving equality to other minority groups it will take away from them but really it all just puts us on an equal playing field and that's what she's doing with what she refers to as natal women and trans women and then she's saying by by including trans women in the in the fight for women we're giving resources to people she doesn't want to be giving resources to and that's actually completely untrue which is really funny because like one of her big issues is that she she doesn't want her work with women's charities to be infringed on by trans women i guess yeah that's kind of what Um, she says which is I mean, that's just, like, a really confusing part of the essay, but, um... Well, she also, she references her domestic abuse so much, but people in the trans community are really likely to be victims of all kinds of abuse, and I don't understand why she can't give that same love and kindness and energy to that community as well, because she should, of all people, understand what that feels like. And I mean, like, it should be said that, like, we definitely stand with J.K. Rowling against her, her abusive partner. Like, it, like, that is, like, a brave thing that she did. I mean, for all that this essay, like, hurt me to read, like, that probably hurt her to write. And that is, like, a really brave thing that she did. Yeah. So I wanted to be clear that as much as, like, we're, like, slam dunking this essay. Slam dunk. Um, slam, slam dunking. We, we for sure do not side with uh people like her ex-husband or anything like that we just think we want to diminish her experience bravery in telling her story yeah we we, she she is just using her experience in a way that i think is a little misguided um but she's coming from a place of of understanding what it feels like to be disenfranchised indeed yeah um so she she takes issue with the term turf. She, she I think she's kind of implies that she's in the camp of turf is a slur. She puts the word turf in the same category as misogynistic slurs. Yeah. Um so turf, if you don't know what turf stands for, it stands for trans exclusion exclusionary <laughs> radical feminist. Yeah. Um I've always used turf as a descriptor. Me too. Just to just to explain someone explain to someone that what they're referring to as their feminism is excluding an important part of the community when it comes to feminism. So that is the only time I've ever used it. I've never like meanly called someone a turf. And this is <laughs> this is like when a guy at my work tried to convince me that cis was a slur, oh like cisgender, God. and he was like he could not drop that cisgender was a slur sir it is a i was like it is a descriptor i'm just trying to describe what you are um and you're taking issue with it like how else am i supposed to describe you or your feminism um i mean we could just like say it every time be like oh you don't want to be called a turf like what if i just call you like are you a feminist do you not want to include trans women in your feminism then you are a trans exclusionary radical feminist maybe you're not a radical maybe you're just a trans exclusionary feminist you're tough um you're a tough and uh (laughs) a tough a tough um jk rowling's a tough and not a turf yeah i mean i think because i think i've always 
worked from a place of intersectional feminism because I am I am dealing with so many different identities that it would be stupid for me not to but I think that she grew up in that very like 2010s tumblr feminism which I remember very specifically um which is like women want equal pay and equal rights and I'm like cool uh but also have you thought about the fact that feminism could include uh every minority group that suffers at the hands of the white straight patriarchy uh apparently Joanne does not agree <gasps> that was your third Joanne this, this episode. This was my third Joanne. I will stop. That's my um, last Joanne. I would say that you said that last time too. Um <laughs> I I think she argues with she she doesn't really engage well with trans activists. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she's kind of arguing in bad faith. She's set up, sets up a lot of straw men. Um one of my like least favorite thing that she says, she says speaking as a quote speaking as a biological woman, a lot of people in positions of power ne- really need to grow a pair, which is doubtless literally a po- literally possible according to the kind of people who argue that clownfish prove that humans aren't a dimorphic species end quote, which is so clearly out of context, bad faith not an argument that trans people are trying to make like it's really sad to see that she can't like like if you want to argue against trans feminists like trans trans feminists trans activists like could you like pull a quote like come on i am once again asking for one quote can I get a source? She doesn't cite a single source. And then and and she uses a lot of these sources. She compounds them together to make a slippery slope argument. Um, and something that I really hate that she uses is the argument of, quote, the argument of many current trans activists is that if you don't let a gender d- dysphoric teenager transition, they will kill themselves, which is like fully a ridiculous thing to say. Um, she also blames a lot of gender, what is it, rapid onset gender dysphoria on social media, like Tumblr and Instagram and stuff. Listen, when I was on Tumblr, it just made me, I just got depression and an eating disorder from Tumblr. Like, that's all I got. Um, I, (laughs) I started questioning my gender because of college. Higher education will make you question your gender, folks. Um. But that's and that's tea. And that's tea. Uh, Tumblr is not higher education. It'll just make you a little. Tumblr is reverse higher education. Tumblr is reverse makes higher you education. Stupider. I recently deleted Tumblr. I'm really excited oh about my it. God. I know. Wow. I'm really happy. I um, just deleted all my old emo stuff. Ooh. I like went through mass post deleted all the old emo stuff. Starting fresh. Starting fresh. My least favorite argument that she makes is she equates trans people to incels. I actually want to read this quote because I think, like, it was one of the most painful things in this essay. And, like, I've got to say, like, I have never, I, like, I, like, feel like reading this essay made me, like, profoundly sad Mm -hmm. more than outraged. But this is one of the big ones. Um, Quote, Never have I seen women denigrated and dehumanized to the extent they are now. From the leader of the free world's long history of sexual assault accusations and his proud boast of grabbing them by the pussy, to the incel involuntary celibate movement that rages against women who won't give them sex, 
to the trans activists who declare that TERFs need punching and re-educating, men across the political spectrum seem to agree women are asking for trouble everywhere women are being told to shut up and sit down or else. Putting trans activists in the same category as incels and Donald Trump is just a horrible thing to do. Incels have been directly responsible for multiple murder sprees, Mm -hmm. like mass shootings. Um, Donald Trump is responsible for multiple crimes against humanity. Yeah. It was really hard to read that about, like, putting putting trans activists with incels with Donald Trump. It was really, like, just a strange comparison, um, really sad, and made me sad. That's, yeah. like, not an intelligent thought. It just made me no, sad. that's completely valid. I think that you are having the same feeling as many of J.K. Rowling's fans. To, to, to read that you're hero like someone who wrote the books that got you through your childhood and late to late childhood to early teen years like she saved a lot of us and and kept us like living and breathing for the next book or the next movie and we grew up with those characters and then to find out that the woman who created the things that we love so much denounced your entire existence that hurts and yes. that's valid. And you're allowed to feel really just sad. I mean, it's it's angering. I think I got very, very angry reading it. Um, but I totally understand just feeling a little dejected. Um, this just in, folks. I'm valid. You're valid. <laughs> um, yeah, I think she also says, like, women are justifiably terrified by trans activists. She thinks that she, I mean, she, she said she wants trans women to be safe, but she thinks she's equating trans women being safe with, quote unquote, natal, natal girls and women being less safe, which is completely unfair. And that is an argument that's used against the trans community so often, and it has been disproved. Um, and so she's using a lot of these arguments are not even factually correct. Um, and that's what's that unfortunate. That is not That correct. is not correct. And I think by saying, you know, she says this, she says, I have, in the very beginning, she says, I have spent all this time educating myself. I've spent two years researching and learning um, and, and figuring this out. But all of the rest of the essay proves that 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 is not true. All of the language she has used shows us that she actually has not learned or grown or educated herself in a helpful way. And it's even more unfortunate because J.K. Rowling, as a human, has access to so, me- so much more than, than you or I do. And, and she can go and seek out really amazing trans activists who can explain this to her. She could have even done like a televised interview where she's learning about this because I think she has the power we know that she has the power to affect change and to affect her fans and people who follow her. She could actually help so many people understand this community, and she did not use her platform to do that. And I think that's why this essay fails. I mean, and we'll get into it in Bitch Why. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it represents part of the reason we've paired this with Fantastic Beasts, which 
may seem kind of like arbitrary at this point, mm-hmm. um, is that J.K. Rowling has a constant tendency to to struggle with the concept of like learning from her mistakes. Like she doesn't know how to take criticism gracefully. Um, because I think she's been so used to being a god of this universe for so long that the idea of, like, people, like, biting the apple and, like, trying- starting to get into, like, some of the broader issues with her work is, like, abhorrent to her. Yeah. So, like, like, her defending of the casting of Johnny Depp and, like, the whole Nagini thing, which caused so much Yeah, we'll talk about that and bitch why. (laughs) I'm documenting this here. Gaia, if you or I get famous, the other one has to keep the other one in check because I don't ever, and I'm sure you also don't ever want to be in a place where you think you're above criticism. So, and that's tea. And that's tea. All right. It is bitch time. This is when Gaia has a three minute timer and we get to rant about whatever we want for three minutes. Um, and that's all the time we get to just bitch. So here we go. Bitch. Okay. Um. Gay erasure. Newt is gay. Uh. He's so gay. Newt is. <laughs> he's Newt gay. is gay because we said he is. Yeah. Um. Why did they hold a snake lady in a cage? Because she's she a can, snake she and she can, can just, just turn into a snake and slither out. Uh. Makuza is a stupid name. All the American names are dumb. No magic. No mag. Um. Non magique. Mary Lou Barebone Bear Barebone is basically just American umbrage. Uh. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't, why, why did she, like, invent wizard homophobia? I think, like, uh, this is gonna sound like an intelligent thought, so cut it. But, like, I think, like, J.K. Rowling didn't want to put that whole thing in so that she didn't have to write actual diversity. So she could be like, well, I wrote diversity because wizards are Look, she's Asian. That snake is Asian, also. The snake snake is is Asian. Asian. The snake is Asian. The snake has been Asian the whole time. (laughs) why is a split tongue the Grindelwald uh, sign? It's not easy to hide. You're like, oh, just <laughs> it's so hard to like. Um, I don't like that ravens and snakes get so much hate in the Harry Potter universe because they are very sexy animals. Why are the anti Grindelwald people? They're like doing this red scare anti communist thing. They're like, you're either with us or you're against us. That's weird. Uh, gay blood oath. Gay blood oath. Uh, I said that Gay already. blood oath. Gay blood oath. Um, I did not ever need to know this much about the Lestrange family. I, she really killed that baby, huh? I did not need to know this. <laughs> she killed the baby. The baby was crying too much. Um, so she swapped it with a random baby. Imagine making naming your kids Theseus and then Newt. Like, I, I feel like that's not an ethical parenting decision. That's not. Um, the movie's making me ask so many unnecessary questions. Uh, Newt, couldn't you just fix that lock on your bag with magic? Uh, why are the wizards so afraid of muggles? Loki Grindelwald was right. We'll talk about that later. Why do American wizards hate <laughs> Grindelwald beasts? was right, and we're gonna say he it. was correct. Um, are wizard skulls not susceptible to breakage under immense force? Like he we gives are, him I the helmet. This I know, you. but he gives him the helmet. And he's like, well, your skull is susceptible to breakage. And I was like, is Newt's not? Harry broke his arm in Quidditch. Okay, that's all Wait, I have to say. Nita, I have to tell you no, something I haven't me told something. you yet. What? When, Wizard, when, when Grindelwald did the spell where he like inhales a bunch of smoke, I wrote down in my notes 420 magic. 420 magic. Um, um, 
Also, Queenie's hair gets slightly darker in the end of Crimes of Grindelwald. Why did that happen? Queenie can read minds. Why is she... Why does she fall for Grindelwald's shit? She can read minds. Why is she... I don't understand. That's truly the worst character decision ever. Why does Newt like women in this movie? He He's doesn't gay. even like women. He's gay. I'm sorry. One it's time I dumb. want a gay subplot or a rom sorry, I want a straight subplot to like not happen for the sake of just disproving that he's gay. And that's it. That's the end of that's bitch end. time. That's bitch time. I love bitch time. It's a good time. I feel better. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel better. Good. I'm glad I got to tell you about 420 magic. All right. It's time for bitch why, which is really the whole time that's the whole reason we're here. Yes. Bitch why? Did you make this? Bitch, Bitch why? why? Oh my god, we're gonna really have to, like, like go through all this shit. There's so much. Um, but, um, Bitch Why is where we talk about the implications of it all. Um, why did people make it? What effect is it having? What? What's going on? Why? Um, Fantastic Beaks. Beasts. There's only one non-white character. Wait, there's three. Oh, there's what? two. Wait. In Fantastic Beasts? The oh, OG? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of... There's the president I'm sorry, and I'm that one of chick Crims who's of like, doesn't that look nice? <laughs> Remember that's a, her? No, that's in, that's in number two. Wait. No, that's in the first <gasps> one because they get sentenced okay, to death. Okay, I'm so sorry. They do get sentenced to death. Um. <laughs> okay. Why the government? The, the wizard government. government don't fall so over. I'm almost gonna. I'm guy. We're I'm getting gross. Guy almost like I'm, fell over and hit the wall. I'm wiggling around because I'm stressed about the wizard government, I'm and angry, I'll tell you why. Angry wiggles. So ang angry. <laughs> um, so in the Harry Potter series, I remember being fairly anti-government. Yeah, but this whole this movie. And maybe it's the moment in time, so, like, mm. people are going to have to call me out. But I almost thought that these movies had, like, a fair amount of, like, copaganda. Copaganda. Um, which, which is, like, there's, there's, like, kind of, like, a general understanding that the Aurors are always right. And that they're always, like, that they're, um, the use of force that they apply is always necessary. And that their wizard incarceral system is always good. Which is so bizarre, and nobody ever questions it. And and like I feel like this moment in time, this is the least necessary thing that we could possibly see in this moment of time. Oh, exactly. Is and I guess it's like so implicit that it, maybe it doesn't matter. Like maybe like me like being like, well, the Fantastic Meese movies are pro cop is just like a stupid complaint. Well, but, like no, because you're now we're seeing, I mean, we've always seen this, but I think in this specific time we're hyper aware and to notice when even copaganda shows up in something as inconspicuous as Harry Potter, that's interesting to note. I mean, something that really like rubbed me the wrong way throughout both movies is just the general idea that it is okay to erase people's minds. Nobody ever questions it. Yeah, the like, ethics. Of even that. when they don't want to do it, there's never even the thought that they would just not do it. Right. Well, and also like in Harry Potter, like 
he's getting in trouble with the feds all the time. And and that's questioned because Harry is often right and often knows what is going on and has to explain it to the adults. So we often we have a like a healthy distrust of the government in this world and now we're being told that it's actually super trustworthy but even newt like he he uses de-escalation tactics with the obscurial he's trying to save it and actually in the end they don't save it and that's treated like a tragedy like the cops the wizard cops just like shoot it and kill it and then it's dead and newt is actually very sad but in the end of the second movie he says that he's gonna join the aurors but i'm like you but the whole time he spends the whole movie saying the whole uh first two movies denouncing the aurors and and saying like how ridiculous they're being and how these things can just be saved a different way Something, like, I just, like, wonder, like, what happened to J.K. Rowling in between writing the (laughs) Harry Potter books? I think this is, like, a crackhead theory, but I feel like when J.K. Rowling started writing the Harry Potter books, she was, like, a broke lady, like, who Mm. had nothing, Mm -hmm. and, like, the government had no reason to do anything for her, and so she was a lot more critical of our system of governance, and now that she is, like, richer than God... She has no reason to work to ask questions about governance. And it's so interesting because her stories seem so interested in being allegorical, but her allegories are so incoherent. Yeah. Oh, and and um Minister of American American Minister Kamala Harris wizard. <laughs> <laughs> she's okay, she's a the minister of um, magic but the one in america is that makuza makuza she's yeah god what a dumb name um she gives the order to kill the obscurial right and Mm -hmm. and and grave slash grindelwald is like don't do that and she said i gave the order and and they kill it and and that's not what they were trying to do i don't know why that just makes me so mad is is like they were trying to fix the situation a different way. And I think also we're living in a world where we're trying to find new ways of not just not policing, but like helping people um, in society who need that help and not just like hurting them or throwing them in a prison. Um, And I think that's like very much where Newt comes from too. So he's trying to fix the situation and deescalate it. And this minister who's also a woman of color like the only woman of color we see is in the wrong and that's upsetting to me yeah i i feel like um like for for a series that's so critical of fascism and authoritarianism it's not very critical of authoritarianism or fascism anyway Mm -hmm. Um, um i hope that newt and his soft brand of masculinity does be like does become one of the only things that we remember of the series but it seems like from all of the reviews where people are very critical of it and say like oh he's not engaging um he's boring he's not a lead character i hope that we forget those critiques and i hope that people just like see him as like a sweet a sweet hufflepuff guy who deserves the world um he's lovely and like truly the only shining thing out of this series so far um, I wrote down, does this movie have anything to say about class? And the answer is no. no. Next, Next question. question. Okay, let's talk about anti-Semitism in the, this oh, oh movie. Oh my god. At the top of our notes document, oh my god. we Can have a piece of Nazi propaganda 
where the design of the like caricature Jew looks exactly like like the goblin the okay narlac the american goblin gangster that runs the blind pig that our characters go to visit it's a magical speakeasy he's played by jewish actor ron perlman and i'm gonna just give you a rundown of his uh facial features he is he has a large hooked nose he has a strong brooklyn type accent um he's very concerned with money and as a negotiator um and then at the end he is two-faced and he rats out our protagonists in the as to where they are so this also like tells you that like jewish also jewish gangsters played a large role in undermining prohibition in the 20th century so you have already this like equation um equating to equating the goblin characters here to the jewish american gangsters in our actual time period which i think is like already very damning um he yeah, this is the only time we see American Wizard Life. So what does that tell you about, like, the only time we see it? It's, like, Jewish-coded and uh, anti-Semitic. Um, we also have a long history of fantasy characterizing, uh, or using Jewish, stereotypical Jewish characteristics as their characters that are not so great. Like, you have the dwarves in Lord of the Rings. Um, and it's just a ridiculous trope, I think, that needs to end. And it's unfortunate and really sad that it shows up even after J.K. Rowling has a new series to fix her, to right her wrongs. She doesn't do that here. And then you also have, so in her revisionist history tweets, she was asked, I think like early 2017 or something, if there were any Jewish wizards. And she says, yes, there is. His name is Anthony Goldstein. He's in Harry's year. And she like screenshots something and sends it and puts it on Twitter. And everyone's like, oh, okay, interesting how he's never in the books or the movies and you're just, like, retroactively placing him. Uh, but his last name is Goldstein, so is Tina and Queenie, so, and she references that they're probably related somehow. And I just think that that's another, like, it's not anti-Semitic, but it's just annoying to, like, retroactively put uh, representation back in. I mean, what I was going to say is that, like, I feel like J.K. Rowling fundamentally misunderstands the purpose of representation. Yeah. And, like, I don't think she gets what she did wrong, which exactly. which is really, like, to be honest, like, she wrote those books in the 90s and she's a white woman. Like, people wouldn't have blamed her no. if she She's just mad at just herself like, now. She wrote a straight white story in the 90s and now she's, like, trying to fix it. But I think the problem isn't even that she's mad at herself. I think she's mad at people for expecting these things of her. Like, for expecting her to write improved stories. And she's she's so woefully ill-equipped to write mm -hmm. representation in a way that is, like, productive. and But she's too proud to... Accept help. Confront that. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to... She doesn't want help doing it. I also think that, like, Lee... I mean, just leave it to the fans. And that we'll talk about that in our second episode. But, like, I think the fans have done that better already. And she could have just left the series alone. I think I would have been happier that way, too. Probably part of the reason she's beating this dead horse is because her non-Harry Potter novels haven't been as good. Yes. Interesting. Okay, let's talk about the wizard. The predatory game oh, man trope. Oh, the predatory game man trope. Okay, so Grave slash Grindelwald is grooming. Oh, God. He's, like, grooming. Uh, What's his name? Credence. Credence. 
who's played by Ezra Miller, who's just such a sad, he's like crying the whole movie. It's very sad and hard to watch, really. Um, and every time he's like doing something, he's touching his face and like whispering in his ear and like he hits him a few times. It's truly just like hard to watch that kind of relationship on screen. And I don't know why as a, as a survivor of domestic abuse, uh, why J.K. Rowling would write that. It's also very clearly, like, queer-coded, mm-hmm. like, like, not in, like, a cute, fun, queer-coded way. No, and well, we like, also in- know that Grindelwald is gay, because she said Dumbledore yeah. is gay. She's also never said that, she also said that she's not going to make that happen in the movies. Like, we will never see that relationship played out. So the fact that the only thing that canonically looks queer is this is disgusting uh wait you were asking earlier before we started recording if wizards have homophobia i and you were like there's no way (laughs) i was like i just feel like why would wizards be homophobic because they have magic so like why would you draw the line at like butt sex <laughs> or like wizards women are homophobic because sex. JK Rowling is homophobic. Yeah. Um oh, no. and if wizards weren't homophobic, why isn't there a single gay character in the entire extended Harry Potter universe? Don't tell me that Dumbledore's gay cuz he's not. Yeah, he's not gay. To me they're not gay unless they're they say they are. Like earlier we said Newt is gay and he is because we said he is. Yeah. But in the series he's not. He's not. And Dumbledore is not either and that's the thing. The thing is the series. Yeah, well, and I think, like, we as as queer artists and consumers, like, we want to see ourselves represented. So when we see a character, an actor that's exhibiting behaviors that we resonate with, we're like, oh, Newt's gay. Like, he's, and, like, that's for us. But wouldn't it be amazing? Actually, not amazing. It would be baseline uh, representation if he was. Yes. And that's what we um, want. There is, like, a really annoying shoehorned heterosexual romance at the end of Fantastic uh, Oh, Beasts. yeah, he, like, saves Tina, and the way he ho- is holding her is, like, uh, prince holding princess, like, that, that uh, fig- that, like, stat- like, figure. And I hate it. And I'm like, why, like, can we just have one time, like, a character save another character, and it's not, like, romance-coded? Like, it's just, it just happens, and that's normal, and, and they don't look into each other's eyes longingly. No, I was going to say, I want to plant this seed now that I think J.K. Rowling has a compulsion to pair off all of her characters. Yeah, that too. It's dumb. J.K. Rowling, what if we didn't all get married? There's so many people that I don't get married to that I know. <laughs> the Just thing like with, with Crimson Grindelwald, the movie, I watch a lot of bad movies for fun. I love B-horror movies. They also know that they're bad Um but this movie... Crimson had... Grindelwald doesn't know it's bad. No, it doesn't bad. know it's bad. And it has so much money behind it. It has no right being as bad or as unchecked as it is. Like, how many drafts did this thing go through? Because it feels like this feels like first draft work. Mm-hmm. And I know first draft work. And you do too. Because we write it. We... <laughs> because we write first drafts. Because we write bad scripts. Yeah. And, the only and way we to know a bad it, script. Yeah, and the only way to make it good is if it's bad first. But I feel like they didn't even like... They're like, okay... And also because J.K. Rowling remains unchecked. Um, Grindelwald is right, question mark? This is our hot this is our Grindelwald hot, take, is, is that he was take. right. Yeah, he was definitely... <laughs> okay, he's right in his 
thinking but not in his action we just want to say we don't condone muggle or wizard genocide in any way uh, well i think that i i think that that's just a poor writing device it is. because jk rowling has given grindelwald all of these like sexy takes he's like hey maybe the statute of secrecy is dumb hey maybe like we should stop world war ii he literally the hey. plot is that he wants to stop world war ii and then the wizard cops are like no He's like, maybe the wizard cops aren't using their powers very well. And I'm like, wow, man, T. But then J.K. Rowling, she has to have him also be genocidal, even though being genocidal doesn't match his beliefs. Don't you think that's also, like, for her, overdone? Like, you did it already. Like, pick something else. He, I mean, he's right. Like, he says muggles are the route to ruin, so why don't we just, like, swoop in there and stop them before they destroy themselves but i don't understand why wizards are so afraid of muggles he like even says like look they have nuclear weapons and stuff but like you guys have magic like and here's the other thing is like why did wizards never intervene in in muggle history like there's the salem witch trials there's world war one there's world war two i don't understand now that you've brought this up jk rowling in your writing and making us go back into this movie franchise in this specific period of time it makes me ask so much like why don't they intervene i think the problem with writing a period piece is that i think it it this is something that is one of like the main tenets of the art we make which is how do you control the questions the audience asks and i think by making it a period piece she's she's forced our brain into all these questions that she doesn't want us to ask because jk rowling doesn't know she's she doesn't think that much. Yeah, I mean, She's also, too like... She's busy being transphobic. I do think that Grindelwald, as a villain, is more justified than Voldemort. Because Voldemort only wants... He's selfish. Like, Grindelwald is seeking to save wizard humanity. Like, that's what he wants. I mean, then you also have the pure-blood supremacists, which I... God, how original. Um, But... I mean, then he has that take, too, which which is then that's where things kind of go wrong. But, like, why does he have that take that Voldemort also had that take? I don't understand. I don't know. She's just throwing in too many different motivations and then they become confusing. I mean, for me, the real villain of the Harry Potter series is the wizard government and the wizard cops. Which was the original villain in the first series. It was the villain in the first series. Cornelius Fudge. In this series... It's the villain in Cursed Child, um, mm-hmm. I think, which we'll talk about. I just, <sighs> the wizard cops, I, I don't know. I don't think the villains are very good at villainy, and I'm mad at them. Agreed. Oof, okay. J.K. Rowling's essay, The Implications. <laughs> I'll say this. Yeah. J.K. Rowling has an enormous platform, um... And a lot of um, left-leading moderates read the things she writes, Mm -hmm. because I think J.K. Rowling is kind of left-leaning moderate poster child. And I think these are the thoughts that left-leading moderates are having in their heads quietly, and I think J.K. Rowling is really giving them the the go-ahead. Yeah, she's giving them a lot of ammo. Yeah, I, I don't... Her her writings are dated. I I've been reading a lot, and I feel like the the take that I think is most prevalent and that I agree with the hardest 
is the idea that J.K. Rowling and Joss Whedon are like, um, like in their time they were doing great shit, Buffy. and now it's twenty twenty, yeah, <laughs> and their time is over. And and like as we as we backwards car crash J.K. Rowling's <laughs> life, like we're really gonna be able to see like how much better she was when she started. <laughs> yeah, truly. I mean, it just baffles me that someone could write a story about love and acceptance um and that is like the thing she has championed for so long and these characters that we love have championed and then she writes this and i love you and i'm really happy you were there to like parse through this essay with me but i just want you to know that i i deeply love and support you and i'm so sorry (laughs) that she did this once again, I have been confirmed to be you're valid. valid. Um, Nita, you're valid. Oh my god, you're the valider. Oh my god, you're the validist. You're the validist. <laughs> I feel like the, the reason we com- we we combine these into one mm-hmm. essay, um, into one long like conversation, is because like we we feel like the issues of crimes of Grindelwald are the issue not crimes of Grindelwald of Fantastic Beasts mm-hmm. are the issues of this essay like they're the same which is J.K. Rowling doesn't know how J.K. Rowling has stopped learning deliberately and sh- she's decided that her opinions about the world and about herself are more important than the things she creates and and so the problems that she has with her work are are kind of like echoing around in every piece she's created in the past two years um yeah it's like she doesn't have to think very critically of her work and what it implies um and it again it's sad it's like seeing your um it's like seeing your aunt write this essay Mm, mm -hmm. or like your grandmother yeah well because she's like or like a favorite teacher a household name I think it is time for the it's bitch time for meter the bitch now. meter. All right, so this is our bitch meter where we rate. There are six categories, and each of them are out of five, but sometimes they're like not assessed. So then we take those things and then we make it out of a scale of ten. Don't just trust the math. We have it. Don't worry. Okay, we we figured out how to do yes, math just we for did. this. We we have it. So just just trust us, and we'll give you the the rating. All right, our categories are queer, queer, like queer representation, gender representation, race, disability, body positivity, and class. So, Gaia, would you like to kick it off with queerness? So, these the, this conglomeration of media has gotten a zero for queer. <laughs> um, I, it should get something in the negatives because her her essay was actively transphobic. Um, but she i i mean what is there to say i normally we would give we would not assess something on the category that it doesn't engage with but because jk rowling went out of her way to tell us all that dumbledore was gay back in like whatever 2000 something um now we are forced to assess her on her ability to represent that and all we have is the predatory gay man trope so um zero zero um, for gender, we're gonna go ahead and give it a 2.5, and this is because we do have two female lead characters, Teeny, Teen, I said Teeny and Queena. Teeny. Tina and Queenie. Um, they're, 
uh, not super well presented. I think that they are interesting characters and they're pretty cool sometimes. Um, <laughs> then when you get into gender regarding the essay, I think there's so many issues there. Um, and I think the point five is for Nagini because she's like, I guess in there, uh, she's like got like six lines. Um, but we think, but at least we also consistently yeah. forget forget about Lita Lestrange. <gasps> Lita Lestrange is also movies. in it, so you have like but four four prominent women. Um, we did forget about her. we did forget about her. Um, but I think two point five is fine. That is that is what we're gonna give it. I don't want to give it anything else. They're not that good. Um, for race, we gave a 1.5. I think the 1.5 is because there are characters of color. They're there. They're there. It is not fully white. And that is um, the bare minimum we could give it. That was like, I mean, it loses points for Nagini. Um, it loses points for not dealing with any, not like engaging with race in any interesting ways. Um, it loses points for stupid bad Mm -hmm. ugly no fun we disability is not uh recognized in this film so we don't we're not scoring it anywhere um i'm excited to talk about please guy would you like to talk about body positivity i'm excited so we technically didn't assess this movie on body positivity but um we first we gave it a plus one we we can we can do this when it doesn't really engage with it but maybe it has like a moment that like glimmers so we gave it a plus one because it shows um queenie and jacob kowalski in a healthy relationship between a not thin person and a thin person and i think that's cool but it gets a minus one because it does there's only there's all the characters are slim and so it actually gets a plus zero (laughs) but we wanted to talk about those two things yeah it makes sense don't worry trust us um it doesn't affect the score i just wanted to say those things exactly um great and then class we gave it a two it was because it had jacob kowalski and it did engage a little bit with him being poor. Yeah. And his financial burdens. And wizard class is kind of confusing. But, uh, that's, that's where we're at. So that's what we're going to do. So, in doing... Let's wrap it up. We've been talking for yeah, a long time. Yeah, this is time. Long. Um, so, it gets a... Th- so, on the bitch meter, overall, with all of our math, it gets a 3 out of 10, which is what I would give each of these individual pieces of art anyway. So... No, I would have given Fantastic oh, actually, Beasts like a like 6. A, like a 6. But I think for everything we've assessed today, that's where we're at. So... Uh, so Not for representation, though. The bitch meter's just for representation. It's just for representation. So yeah, 3 out of 10. 3 out of 10 is kind of... That's perfect. Um, okay. Our next episode will cover Cursed Child and... Pottermore and fan fiction, which is gonna be so fun and silly. So, wait, uh, it's gonna be so fun and silly. Wait, <laughs> please kill me. Um, great. Um, yeah. So let's bring it home, Nita. What have you? What are you oh, working on right now? So Tell sorry. me your, your artistic pursuits, art person. Um, art person. That's me. Um, I'm currently working on a screenplay about a adorable Indian girl. Uh, in the eighth grade, trying to start a punk rock band. And that's my screenplay. Aww. Nobody steal it, please. This is my idea. Um, Gaia, what are you working on? 
thank you for asking me. I'm just stressed out (laughs) by my inability to speak. I, uh, I've been wrestling with the same script for like a year now, Mm -hmm. and I recently cut two thirds of it and I'm trying to rewrite those things in a way that I like, but it is making me want to stab it with a fork. Yeah. So, um, pray for my play and pray for me. Play prayers. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at bitchypodcast. Please leave a review and rate us on iTunes when we figure out how to get this podcast on iTunes. Um, all of the resources references referenced will be in the show notes. Thank you to our editor and co-producer, Cameron. Ah, uh, he's the best. All right. We will see you next week with our... See you next see week. See you next week. Bye, bitches. <laughs>